Happy Wednesday. It's Julia Sotis on a totally different reality. We're what? We're Christmas time. We're December 17th, 2014, and it is 4 p.m. Central Time, and we have people from all over the world uh, listening in and um, ready to ask questions because we have a really, really, really great guest on um, today. I'm really excited to talk to her. She's one of the wildest wackiest coolest funnest most intelligent women that i know and uh she's actually just wrote recently well about a year yeah recently i would say recently wrote a book called pragmatic psychology and uh susanna mittermeier is from austria and i believe she now lives in sweden but she'll tell us more about that um and today we're going to talk about i'd like to talk about her book a little bit um, I'd like to talk about the Christmas season and, and perfectionism and how people tend to go a little bit crazy. Today, I was going a little bit crazy just perceiving the energy of everybody else around me going a little bit crazy. And, uh, and uh, there's, I don't know, it'll, there's no end to what um, Susanna can talk about and uh, where this show could go. So welcome, Susanna. Thank you for being on today. Thank you for having me, Julia. It's such pleasure thank you and I love the introduction (laughs) cool and and uh you know you said you said uh, a little crazy um I mean this season is just so so crazy it's incredible um I just um you know it's one of those one of those periods where you go okay you really got to use those tools you know even if you have been doing this for years you like this you know, the access consciousness tools, like who does this belong to over and over and over again? Because this is really, really driving people crazy in all kinds of ways. And, and uh, when, uh, when Julie and I were chatting about, so what is this show going to be about? And we said, yeah, kind of like about pragmatic psychology and the craziness of it all. And also about uh, what this season brings out as far as crazy is concerned and, and what kind of different crazy is is available and possible beyond the thing that makes you go, ah, I don't want to be on this planet anymore. Like really what else is possible beyond this, right, Julia? <laughs> seriously, seriously. It's crazy. And it's funny that we're having this show today because I was just starting to become a little more acutely aware of how things are starting to, I would say, contract around the holiday season. Yeah, totally. So. Yeah. So like just just like before Christmas, I thought, oh, you know, I can relax a little bit more. I just, you know, had classes pretty much every weekend. And oh, just before Christmas, you know, this week I can relax. And then all these people show up. I want to have a session. It's acute. I need to have a session now. And, and so, you know, between getting things to get, between getting things together and 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 having clients, it's it's just been amazing what comes up in people's worlds. Um, uh, just today, I had um, I had someone talking about how extremely like she has this panic in her world. And she said, well, you know, you're a psychologist. Can you help me? I've been to so many different people trying to help me with this, but I have this constant anxiety coming up in my world, this panic, and I have no idea what to do with this. And so, so we use this, you know, this access consciousness tools, which is, which is brilliant. It's, it sounds so easy and it is easy and it really works. Um, so we talked about this tool, who does this belong to, which she became aware of is, very, 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 very amazing to use, especially now during Christmas season. And so, so she was talking about um, her, I think it was her granddad who died a couple of years ago um, with, um, I think it was a, um, a heart attack. And she said that from that time, she has this fear of dying from a heart attack and she didn't relate that at all she said oh yeah my grandpa was dying and I I have this constant fear of getting panic and 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 dying all that and I've been to so many psychologists and and we've been trying to analyze what's going on and nothing helped so so I asked her so truth are you a healer and she said what and she started to cry and I said is this are these joys of of sadness or I mean are, are these tears of I said it are these tears of of sadness or are they tears of joy and she said oh my god it's joy it's just a relief to to actually um 
you know, acknowledge what's going on in my world. So she became aware of that. Um, she was basically trying to get all of that stuff out of her uh, granddad uh, for such a long time, the whole time when he was sick. And she wasn't aware of it. She, she was aware of it, but she didn't acknowledge it. And right. so, so I asked her, well, are you a healer? Are you doing this not only with your granddad? Are you doing this with all kinds of people around you? You're healing other people's insanities. You're healing you know, their bodies. And she's like, oh, my God, that explains so much. And so for her, she could see that the things that came up for her, especially around that time and around the time that her granddad died, was just her awareness, her acute awareness that she was using against her and calling wrongness and, you know, symptoms that she might die and all of that. So, so um, yeah, I love that tool. Have you been using this for the latest time lately? I have. I mean, I, I actually, I used it this morning and it, it um, kind of, I got the awareness that it was something else, but I used it the other day. Like, I mean, I use it constantly. I used it um, a couple of weeks ago when I was watching um, a movie that had a lot of points of view and I used it like the whole movie. I like, I was paying attention to the movie, but it was like, I'm going to use who does this belong to all movie. And it worked awesome. I just had such a sense of, Space and freedom after because it was like the movie was so full of points of view yeah, yeah. and then I used it I, I find that sometimes um it will take like like a minute for it to go away to go away and I think that a lot of people expect it to go away instantly and then they think oh this doesn't work but I think that um giving mm-hmm. yourself like a little bit of time to wait a minute for it to go away or maybe two minutes is something that I, it kind of took me a while, like I dismissed the tool a little bit, because I was like, it's not going away instantly. And then I thought, oh, no, like, wait a minute. Like, if I wait, then it will go away, like, mm. after a minute or two minutes. So I, I always encourage people to kind of give it just a second to kind of mm. release from their world. Yeah, so. so true. And it's like, you can't turn off your awareness. It's like, um, you, right. you, even if you know, it's not yours, you cannot turn it off. So that woman I talked with, she said, well, you know, it's, I, I cannot turn off that stuff that goes up and goes on in my body, even though I asked who does this belong to. And that's not what you're supposed to do, because there's no off button for oh, awareness. Exactly. It's like, it does not exist. Maybe, you know, what else is possible? But so far, we haven't found it. So it's just, it's something you're going to be aware of and sense in your world and sense in your body the whole time. The thing is that it, how can you create more ease with everything that you're aware of? Well, one thing is that most people think that if they are aware of something, they need to do something with it. And there comes the thing that makes it really, really hard. They're like, oh, because I'm aware of it, I need to get rid of it, which is right. doing something with it. Or I need to... Um, change it or I need to solve it or I need to whatever you know so it's always about trying to do something with it which makes you go crazy because it's basically like if you google something and you look for information and you get all those links and imagine trying to do something with every link you go crazy you go insane and so so it's like with google you would just go so which of those links actually are a contribution to me right now what information do I really require and then you select one and then you go oh this works or this doesn't work and you keep on looking for what else is possible and the same with awareness you know you just sense whatever you sense and then you ask is there something I can do with this yes or no and most of the time it's actually a no you just basically you know are aware and get a lot of information right I really like that I uh the Google links is an awesome example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. you, uh, so we do like who does this belong to? Is awesome. Um, like as a psychologist, um, people come to you. Like, what are the, what are some of the common things? Because it, it almost I feel like could create a little bit of freedom if people realize that this is such a like any problem that comes into your head is a, is part of the mass consciousness of what everybody else is thinking and feeling and the emotions that they're having. So, so what for you are a lot of themes that come up with people who come to you and, and stuff that people buy as their own? 
Yeah. So that's very, very diverse. So um, I, when I when I worked in psychiatry in Sweden, I was at a at a clinic that would um, contribute to all kinds of different diagnoses. So I would meet people with depression and anxiety and bipolar, ADHD, ADHD, autism, eating disorders, addictions. So name it, like anything that would be in the diagnose book, I would meet a patient, at least, you know, like all of them were there. And so I had this playground to, to explore. So what else is possible with all these people who are, quote unquote, um, there's something wrong with them or they're, um, disabled or whatever. Um, there are all those amazing names, and there's a thick book, you know, called the Diagnose Book um, to explain all that, which it doesn't at all, but people think it does. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Bible, you know, it gives you all the answers, and then you, yeah. So it's really right. interesting. It's a very interesting world. And um, so I could never really, I could never really buy that these people who, you know, showed up in my office that there was something wrong with them, even if the doctor said, oh, this one is really, you know, there is something wrong with that person. It's going to be really hard to do something. And so the treatment of choice, as it is in that world, is to medicate uh, the people, uh, which does not change anything at all. So, um, yeah, so, so I could not really buy that wrongness and would ask, so what's actually, what's actually the capacity behind all that so-called insanity that hasn't been acknowledged and really every diagnose would would you know would be a specific kind of capacity a range of capacities that that hadn't been acknowledged and and it's incredible you know the colors that of the nuances of capacities that would show up and and um so I was playing with this and, and uh, using the access consciousness tools um, with that. And not only my work became way easier, but also the things that were possible to change uh, and the speed of change was incredible. So, and the question is like, so what, what does that all mean? So, for example, um, with uh, psychology and psychotherapy, the way that, you know, the perspective is that there is something that's wrong that needs to be changed, which basically is there's already an answer, this and this is wrong, and then there's no question, it's just like buying that answer and then trying to find a reason to it, which is basically cementing that wrongness even more in existence. Right. So, so with, with um, that perspective that we have with access consciousness, like basically asking questions with everything, not buying one single answer as a reality, um, this was an absolute game changer, like really 360 degrees and more, wow. So, um, so this morning I had a, a client and she, she, um, I had her for the first time. And she, well, she was the one who came with, um, with all the anxiety she had, which she had been trying to get rid of so, so many, with so many things. And she called it uh, anxiety and fear. So, um, so she said any, any psychologist would just go, oh, okay, so you have fear. All right. Uh-huh. Okay, so when did that fear start? And why do you think you have that fear? So they would go and, and, and um, try to work with that thing that is called fear and try to change that. And she said nothing would change it. And I said, you know why? Is that really fear or something different? And he said, I don't know what it is, but it, it doesn't seem like fear anymore. And I'm like, yeah. So you've been buying a lie your whole life, and you cannot change a lie. A lie is a lie. So we started to explore what that fear actually was and the thing she called anxiety. And she said that was an absolute, complete game changer. I mean, it was one session, and her whole world just shifted upside down of discovering what you know, discovering what actually was going on for her um, and acknowledging what she actually is aware of that she had called wrongness, which is just incredible. I mean, really, everything is the opposite of what it appears to be and nothing is the opposite of what it appears to be. She would say that, um, she said, oh, I have all those examples coming up in my head right now of, of what I've been buying as wrongness about myself. She said, every time I would go and meet my family, 
um, like have any kind of dinner or something, I would feel so wrong and so not normal. And I said, well, that's kind of like one of the most extreme situations, <laughs> meeting your family <laughs> and having, having a family dinner, right? <laughs> What is it with that? Like, I would actually love to get your perspective uh-huh. on, like, like, what is it that makes family stuff so intense and, and truly difficult sometimes? Like, I, I know that these people are really close to us, and we want to buy what they buy as real and true for us because they buy it as real and true for them. And mm. it's just this intensity, like, how have, like, how do you help people get around that? So it's, it's a funny question, because she was talking about, um, like, all those get-togethers, um, you know, like Christmas and, and birthday celebrations, and, I, and she said, it's so weird. So when I'm with these people, I feel so stupid and so not normal, and I just want to run away. When I'm with my friends, I feel fine. And she said, what's the difference? I don't get it. It's not like I have a problem being around people because it's fine with friends. So, so we explored the difference. And so what came up was that with family and birthdays and, and Christmas, you know, how many people go to these events really because they want to go there? How many people really do this by choice and how many people say, oh, my God, I have to do this. It's Christmas again because it's my family. I have to go there. So they drag themselves to, to these events and then, and then all their stuff, all their like, insanity and all their issues just are there piled up next to each other. And it's this insane conglomeration of insanity all in one. And at the same time, you're not supposed to show it. You're not supposed to, to live it. You're su- just supposed to suppress it. So it's, this, like, it's like this insane, intense pressure cooker where people have all their stuff with them. And that comes up even more in the face of intensity of the family. And then at the same time, this necessity to just keep it all down and keep like this face of everything is normal. It's all going to be okay. We love each other because we're family, right? And then right. under there, they just want to kill each other. And like all in one place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because it's so, it's so true for, for like most people. Like mm-hmm. really. <laughs> and it's this funny, suppressed, happy yeah. face kind of place. So it's really exactly. funny. I like the way that you spell it out. <laughs> and it's like, and, and then the only thing that people, you know, use to, to, to deal with this is to drink a lot of alcohol, which doesn't really make it better, right? So, right. Oh, and then you oh. have the same procedure as, as every time, and it's just like, oh my god. So, um, so she said, yeah, that's exactly what it is, and I feel so insane. And I'm like, yeah, because you are the only one who's willing to be aware of that. All the other people in your family who are thinking that everything is fine, they have cut off their awareness to such a degree, including their bodies, that they can sit there like drones thinking that everything is okay. (laughs) You're the only one who's willing to be aware of that. So really, how does it get any better than that? And truly, everything is the opposite of what it appears to be. And nothing is the opposite of what it appears to be. And she said, oh, my God, that's a total game changer for me. I've never really consider that because I always thought I was the wrong one so yeah that's that's actually what's going on like if you are if you are one of the only or even the only aware person at that you know at that get together you will be aware of all that insanity and you will think that you are the wrong one you will think that you are the insane um you know black sheep of the family one because you're the only one who's willing to be aware of the insanity (laughs) totally so how do you how do we get out of this intense need for our fan like to well it's really it's like um Susanna and I both attended the seven day um in Costa Rica with Gary Douglas Mm -hmm. uh I guess that was two months ago and we talked about the grinding pedantic needs of others and Mm -hmm. there's these intense 
it's like it th- like this energy that is it's just this grinding vital need that people have and and I think that that a lot of us have the need to fulfill the need and especially when it's family because there's a obligation there um, do you have a clearing statement for that, Susanna, or uh, just if you could talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I like your, your grinding need, and I'm sure we can create a clearing statement out of it. And so, so one of the things that really help, of course, the clearing statement, and um, it's, it's this thing that we talked about now, this acknowledgement, the acknowledgement that, that you know, you, the thing that when you're aware of what's going on around you, you basically conclude that awareness means there's something wrong. When you just like you just are aware of what's going on with your family, aware of the insanity that's going on, that is made normal. It's like this, this really, it's amazing lie because the thing that is so insane is made is is made so right in this reality, right? Um, right. And if you if you question that or if you have anything that you go, but this is insane. You are called the insane one. Yes. So every, yes. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that I have a point of view about that. <laughs> no, you just have an awareness, like, oh yeah. So everything that that is, all you guys listening, everywhere you've bought that lie about you and have been very successfully buying that lie about you, will you please destroy and uncreate it? Times a godzillion. Yep. Thank you. Right, wrong, good, bad, pot, fuck, all my shorts, boys, and beyonds. And everywhere you've decided being aware equals being insane, which is a conclusion, will you please destroy and uncreate it? Yes. Oh, time the gazillion. Right, wrong, good, bad, pot, fuck, all my shorts, boys, and beyonds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yikes. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and I like the grinding need you bring up. Do you want to talk more about this? Because this is really great. Well, I, I mean, I've been listening to the replays of the classes, and I've been, I've been looking at how much the needs of my family um, are just so important to me and, and the places where it's important to me to fill, fulfill them. And uh, when other people have these needs of, uh, of us, like we have this space where we want to go, no, I, we either go, oh, I have to fulfill that, there's no cho- which there's no choice in, or we go into rebellion, like, you know, your mom calls and you just feel that pull yeah. and you know she needs something from you. Mm-hmm. And, and there's this, that, that magnetic pull. And there's also no choice in that because, you know, we'll go, well, I don't want to answer the phone. Um, and there's no kindness to you or her really in either option because there's no choice. It's just this, this energetic charge, um, that sort of becomes amplified the more aware you become. So, um, let's Mm -hmm. run a clearing statement on this. Um, what have you made so vital about possessing the need of the grinding pedantic needs of others? that stops you from knowing the, that stops you from total oneness. Cool. Yeah. And everything that is times a godzillion, will you destroy and uncreate it all? Yeah. Right, wrong, did that all nine pod, pox, shorts, boys, and beyond. Mm. That's really cool because what you described there is, you know, the grinding need of others is both where you either go and fulfill what others need or you go or run away and say, leave me the fuck alone. Yeah. Um, so it's like you, you don't have choice in, in either or. Um, it's just like, oh, need to fulfill or need to run away, but absolutely no choice and no inclusion of you and anything you would like to create. And, um, and yeah, family really brings that up. It's like mostly it's, it's people just see either fulfill what they need or run away. Um, as though that is creating any kind of space, which it actually doesn't. And people, you know, we've all done this when we were teenagers. And, you know, maybe it's time to end this someday. And I, I know <laughs> what you're talking about. It's like, no, nah, it's so much fun. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. So, and it's like, if you do it because you can, and it's, you do it because you think this is the only choice you have, but, Sometimes, like, for example, this thing you talk about, the mom that calls and you just don't want to, 
you just don't want to answer the phone. I've never had that. <laughs> of course I have. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I, uh, when I was 19, I moved to Sweden from Austria, and I'm the only child. And uh, so my parents were extremely upset by my choice. And uh, this was not the only time I did that, because when I was 16, I, I moved to Houston, Texas, just for fun, and really? stayed there half a year, and then came back to Austria, because I always like, oh, what else can I explore? You know, for me, it was like, oh, how fun is it to just, you know, go to another country? And I had no point of view that being 16 or 19 was young. I'm like, of course I can do this. And um, now... Uh, being a bit older, I see that, oh my God, that was pretty young. You know, I, you know, I have a different perspective now, but at that time I didn't have a point of view that it it was too early. I just went. And um, so um, my parents were not really, really happy about my choices, but they knew they couldn't stop me. So um, they let me go and which was very smart of them. And so I could at the same time feel their need of, you know, this, this need of knowing that everything is all right, which is like, yeah, that's what parents do. And um, so I remember waking up, especially when I moved to Sweden, I remember waking up at night and having this, having like sensing my mother's fear of, oh my God, is she okay? And then all those, then the day, day after all those phone calls of, oh, where are you? You never call us and all that. And to a point where I just didn't want to, you know, answer the phone anymore. So, um, and I realized how that created such an intensity of yuck in my world and absolutely no choice. And I realized, okay, so this is not working. I need to change my strategy. So I did something which I later found is, I was starting to change my strategy to flowing lots of energy in their direction. I, I pulled down my barriers. I got over my point of view that I need to separate myself from them to get space and freedom uh, and to find myself. And I found that separation doesn't create anything else than separation and more separation. And then I pulled down my barriers and I said, you know what? I'm just going to be with all of that that's coming up in their world. I'm not going to run away anymore. I'm just going to receive it. And I realized that receiving it means just letting it go through me and not holding on to it. And then I found that this thing uh, of, you know, creating an energy flow by filling, like flowing lots of energy from my direction to them was really, really helpful. So I did this as Every time they thought of me, every time they had, I sensed their need of me in my world, and I sensed this need of, of me in their world, I would go, okay, bears down, flow lots and lots and lots of energy in their direction. And this just was such an amazing tool and created so much ease. And from that on, we actually could create a really, really cool relationship that, um, just got more and more expensive. So the grinding need of others, yeah. So that's one that's one example and one way I I personally could, you know, change this in with family. That's awesome. That yeah. is, that that's gonna help me because I I'm I actually since the class I'm like, wow, I am not buying into the needs of others anymore. Mm-hmm. But there's still this place with a couple family members, so flowing energy because it was there was a little bit of like, well, they shouldn't need me, but they <laughs> do need me. Like the reality is that they do need me. And yeah. so it's not it's it's not kind to like do separation. So that's awesome. Thanks for that. That helps me a lot. I'm sure it's gonna cool. help a lot of people. Yeah. And it's it's like it's it's so cool because you don't have a point of view anymore that um, that you don't have choice because you do have choice. It's like this illusion that you don't have choice and you need to prove that you have choice by separating and proving your independence and all of that. You know, totally. I've done a great deal of that and then uh, realized that hello, I do have choice. I do not need to prove this. Or also this other thing in relationship. Oh, I don't need anybody. I am so independent, right? Uh, and then you don't receive any contribution anymore because you want to prove how independent you are, which is not the smartest thing <laughs> either. Right? You and I have never done that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
Susanna and Julie, this is Eleanor. Can I ask a question? Please. Yeah, yeah thank you so much. Uh, it's kind of, it's, it's around the one who does this belong to and choices. Uh, for me, it's um, what would it take for me to feel more comfortable with how, I, how or what I choose to spend Christmas Day? Um, I have a plan that I'm going to go into Manhattan and have my bars run. And I'm actually going to take uh, Curry's Glassell's class here in New York as well, the, the financial guru. And I'm so excited about that. But then it brings up emotions inside of me that um, it's like a, I project that I'm a loser. That It's that part of me. It's a conditioned part of me that why are you not spending the traditional turkey, you know, with somebody else? You've, you've gotten invitations, but yet I'm not happy when I go there because there's all the stuff and tensions and uh, unhappiness, even though it's all covered beautifully. And so Eleanor, it's, like, it's like those two choices. I can't win. Eleanor, yes, do, you really, do you really have emotions? No. <laughs> that was awesome. I mean, I was, I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm going to, you know, celebrate Christmas the way I want, and I'm going to do a class, and I'm going to get my bars run, and yay, and then, well, but then I have these emotions. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> But it's it's funny and it's brilliant that you say that because it's like you're supposed to say that, right? I mean, it cannot only go, oh, I have, I, I do what I would like, I choose what works for me. It's like, you know, this would be too good. And then, you know, you, you almost have to attach this, but I do have those emotions. It's not all that easy. I do have those emotions, Right. <laughs> yeah, there's a voice that comes in. It's you know, it's the head tripping that comes in. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I, I want to talk. It's it's like I want to talk myself out of it. And there's something else. I don't, I don't know who or yeah. what this belongs to, but our entity or whatever. But it has me in a place of that kind of a flatness within myself. I just sit there and I'm back with, do I go or do I stay? And then my choice, mm-hmm. my world becomes very small. Of course it does. Yeah. So, so the emotions you talk about, are you, what are you, what are you trying to prove with the, with the emotions you choose? Um, no change, you know, if I choose the, the traditional, even though it's, it's not a happy one for me, and I usually end up drinking a half or a bottle of wine or something because of all what I'm picking up around me. That's the truth. And it's always relief when I come out of the house. Plus, I feel guilty because they're really nice people, whichever house I choose. And then I feel guilty that, oh, you know, these people are doing all this for me. So, yeah, so what I are you trying to prove? Right, so, but it's like funny, because emotions are, are there to prove something, right? It's like you, you prove, like emotions are there to prove, for example, that you are a real human being. You belong to, you know, like you're VIP of the human race, right? Or something, yes. um, at least VIP, because, you know, just being a member wouldn't do it. So you want to be a VIP of the human race, and so you create those things, to belong to to prove that oh see it's not all that easy it's like hello I'm like you I do I do almost choose what I want but then it's not that easy so truth what are you proving what are you trying to prove with the emotion with the emotions you choose nothing I don't know because um, it, it's it's trying to fit in somewhere. It's, you know yeah. what it is? You know what it is? It just can't. I'm trying to stay comfortable in the no change. Because me, Yeah, because I can't tell anyone. I feel like I can't tell anyone because people at work ask me, oh, what are you doing? Where are you going? And like last year I lied. And this year I'm like, oh, how are they going to get if I tell them I'm taking, getting my bars done on Christmas Day? They, they don't even know what that is. Or taking hmm. a class, you know? Yeah. Exactly. So are you willing to, to be in total allowance of the ease you choose for Christmas? 
Yes. <laughs> there's a little, yeah, there's a little hesitancy there, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. 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 And what if it's not about trying to get comfortable? You're right. Okay. The first thing you said, you try to become comfortable. But is that really the target you want to have? You know, if you want to stay comfortable, it's where you have to stay in the same realm of choice you have always made. Right. right. So what if your target is not to be comfortable? Comfortable is so overrated in this world. It's like, oh, you got to be comfortable or self-confident is another one, right? Um, you know, feel at ease. Not at ease. It's more like feeling comfortable and, and uh, self-confident and, and stable and all those, those things. They have such a great value in this world. And you think if I'm comfortable, if I feel stable, if I feel, feel self-confident, then everything is all right and I have chosen the right thing. So it's like using those things to prove that, oh, my choice is right because I feel stable, I feel comfortable, I feel self-confident. But that is a conclusion. What if it's not about trying to feel comfortable, but just choosing whatever you would like to choose, which is a Christmas that's, that's, you know, created and designed with your own taste. Put my my own hallmark stamp on it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. It's like me trying to make a right choice through comfort. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. By comfort and by choosing emotions. Oh, it's not that easy. Oh, it's it's really not that easy to choose everything I would like. Yes, it is. You're doing it. Wow. Okay, so I'm using the the emotion. That's that's the excuse. Yeah. Um, Cuz it sounds it sounds so it sounds so okay in this world, like when you talk to somebody and it, what is Christmas or you choose a job that works for your relationship or money, you know, you, you're willing to have more money than other people. It's like, yeah, but it's, you know, it's not, I feel a bit guilty or it's not that easy. You know, it sounds so good in the conversations yeah. with others because they go, oh yeah, I understand. And then you know what, you have a, you have common ground, you have connection points and you have something to talk about. And it's like, and you can do all those things. You can play all those games, but don't buy it as a reality for you. <laughs> okay. So are the emotions, like me using the emotions, like what's that, what's that word again? Um, as a proof or? No, what's that word for a distractor or something? Implants, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm using that instead of, you know, coming out, outside of that comfort box. Yeah, so guilt would be a distractor implant, yeah. Yeah, a distractor okay. implant, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's another one, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, that's, yeah, that's, I can feel it. I can feel the relationship. Thank you so much, Susanna. And yeah. with the relationship thing, I spoke with you last year. I uh-huh. remember it was on Voice America about relationship, and I said, oh, I would like a boyfriend for Christmas, for the holidays. <laughs> I remember you said, oh, why don't you just go in and advertise, I want a boyfriend just for the holidays. <laughs> oh my god that, that put a different look on my face <laughs> yeah make it that woke easy. me up thank you <laughs> you're so welcome so time for Christmas a la Eleanor <laughs> yes thank you so much thanks Julia thank you okay awesome awesome that's awesome and the, uh, the other thing that kept popping into my head is like what if we were totally willing to be alone Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. How much freedom would that create? Mm. And how wrong is that in this world, right? So, yeah, you see all those Christmas movies with, like, you know, the homeless man on the street who has nobody for Christmas. And it's like, poof, lucky guy. <laughs> right? And it's so easy. So I was just uh, in Germany uh, for, uh, for a four-day class this weekend, and I was staying at this great, wonderful hotel, beautiful, pretty so I was sitting in the business lounge and everything was just perfect and, and wine and champagne and wonderful. And then I was sitting amongst these two legged these people who were everything else than wonderful. They were so depressed and I could sense in the air, it was like vibrating. Oh my God, I'm alone. It's Saturday evening. And, and so they were looking for, for somebody to hook up with, with a desperation. It was just incredible. And it's also like I could sense how much more it is right now before Christmas. You know, it's just I have to find somebody just in time so I can be right on Christmas, so I can have somebody to share my time with. It's incredible. So truly, who does this 
belong to and an acknowledgement of what is real world like julia says it's like do you really want to have somebody how much more is ease is it to to either be with somebody of your choice rather than necessity or just be by yourself right or be with your animal maybe you have a cat or a dog they're way easier to be with <laughs> <laughs> way easier yeah yeah you know it's really funny because uh, i remember like as a child i was really really aware and well obviously like we were all were and i had these things on christmas where everything had to be perfect exactly or i would freak out and run to my room crying and i lost that after a while thank god but i i believe that so many people are are still functioning from that place of perfection mm, totally so true oh my god yeah. yeah and i just remember like like if if we wouldn't watch the exact right movie or eat the exact right thing or you know have, it had to be like this magical perfect fairy tale day otherwise i would run to my room crying and i always ran to my room crying because it never worked out perfectly <laughs> yeah and it's it's christmas and then there are the perfect weddings you know where everything has to be perfect and yeah i know it's it's incredible so perfection is such a big burden on 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 people um so today I was actually talking to a young lady and she was coming for a session and she was saying, well, um, I, you know, she's, she's studying um, business and, you know, has really, really great degrees, whatever it's called. She has, you know, she writes great papers and she gets all those great marks and everything is perfect. And then she's going to have a job, she decided, and then she's going to do this and then she's going to do this and she's got it all perfectly figured out. And everybody knows how perfect I am, she says. And she says, oh my God, it's so exhausting. (laughs) I can't. (laughs) It was so cute because she was starting with this, oh, and then, oh my God, I'm so tired. Yeah, because that's what it does. You know, if you want to be perfect, it's a lot of work. You know, you constantly have to judge yourself for for um, being perfect or not being perfect enough. So, so when she realized that it's such big work and takes so much uh, time to be perfect, she was like, so what else is possible? So I asked, so are you willing to be... You know, so what is a bigger invitation? Because she was asking to get a new job and get a new boyfriend. I asked, so how can you invite those things in your life? Can you invite them by being perfect? Or can you invite them by being willing to be absolutely unperfect, messy, out of control? And she said, oh, unfortunately, the second one. And I said, yep, that's it. And so I gave her this clearing, which I personally love. Um, it's this willingness to be, you know, out of control. And I'm sure, like most have already heard it, and it's worth saying it again. So it's what energy, space, and consciousness can in my body be to be totally out of control, out of form, structure, and significance, and linearity that me and my body truly be. And everything that doesn't allow that to destroy and create it. Right, wrong, good, bad, pot, pock, all nine shorts, boys, and beyonds. So I'm happy you can listen to the recording later to, to get that. Because it's really, really, really cool. Um, like run it 10 times per day, every day. So you get over being perfect. Be willing to be out of control because what that creates is actually a bigger, greater level of receiving, right? Because that's what you want to do, especially on Christmas, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so in terms of um, like you were an only child. So did you ever have like, what was being alone for you? Like, did you play with yourself and, and make like have your own world? Not like that. <laughs> How did you keep yourself occupied, Susanna? <laughs> I slept with myself, Julia. What I didn't even hear that coming out. <laughs> Oh dear. But like how like for you, did you have that being alone complex? Um not that much. Not when I was a kid, because I would always have something to play with later on. I I'm sure I had some periods where I was buying um that, but I was pretty so 
for me, it was more the other way around that being around people was pretty intense for me, even when I was little, um, because I had no idea how to deal with everything I was sensing and being aware of. Uh, I just created some kind of overwhelm, oh, too much. So I liked being alone and I loved being at my grandmother's and and um, just, you know, playing in the woods because that's where I didn't feel alone. I felt more alone around people, actually, uh, which is weird. But, um, you know, in, in nature, I would go, oh, my God, that is just oh, what a, you know, it's just absolutely this connection and no no way I could feel alone there but with people I actually felt more alone and later I realized that this loneliness I, I felt with people was actually my awareness how people use their thoughts feelings and emotions to separate from one another right so every time you feel or think something it's where you make yourself you create this personal space as though that is required. So there's actually one book coming up that I really can recommend that I that just popped in my head. It's uh, Gary Douglas, uh, Beyond the Utopian Ideal. Um, it's, it's pretty new and it's an awesome book. And at the end of it, there are three chapters of his coming book that's called The Golden Planet. And there he describes so beautifully this, you know, connection with all molecules, this connection to everything and everyone, and this, uh, this possibility of playing with the molecules and physically actualize anything you desire. You know, this is what I was sensing when I was a kid in the woods. And then this start of, you know, other people having this necessity of creating followers, creating power, creating personal space, um, using thoughts, feelings, emotions, rather than being, knowing, perceiving, receiving. And it's this great um, illustration of, of this reality, you know, this, this, this illusion of being able to be alone. And the only thing that creates you being alone is, is your thoughts, feelings, and, and your emotions and the necessity of creating a personal space. You know, this, yeah. oh, this is me and this is everybody else and you have your barriers up and, and I, I cannot show everything I am because me, people might judge it. So I have to keep secrets of everything I find terrible about me. And, and this is how you actually create loneliness by thinking that you have to keep secret what you've decided is so terrible about you. Like really, if you go, so what have I decided is so terrible about me that I have kept secret that creates this personal space, the separation of loneliness and really write down what you have find so terrible and, and, and then the next step would be tell somebody and then see how terrible that actually is. Um, I've had many friends I did this with, and it's like, it's so funny what people find terrible. You know, it's like, really, that is the most terrible thing you've ever done? And, and then you kind of, <laughs> you kind of get over um, the most <laughs> terrible thing you've ever done, like playing with yourself, for example. <laughs> <laughs> Not where I was going, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> like Gary's book Beyond the Utopian Ideal is the utopian ideals that we have and the fantasies that we create around things are just these huge expectations that we actually having what we could be. It's like the structure of the family is what stops stops the reality from, from coming in, you know, like the perfect Christmas, you know, if you need to have the perfect Christmas and you have this structure, this structured fantasy in your head of what that will be like, you know, the same way you'd have it up for the perfect mm-hmm. man, mm-hmm. you know, you can never have that. But if you let it go and have ease and are, you know, in gratitude at whatever shows up, you know, oftentimes it's better than the fantasy that you had in the first place. So, and I yeah. definitely have learned this the hard way. <laughs> I'm a <laughs> fantasy queen. <laughs> so. I love that about you. <laughs> you have the thing is that the difference you be is you have fun with your fantasies. I mean, most people take them extremely serious and drop that serious basically, but you have fun with them, and that's the different reality you creating. And I love that about you. Oh, thanks, Susanna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I suppose I do. I've never really thought of it that way. 
it is fun for me. And, and as I've worked with it and done more access, it's, it's not as much about like, if I don't get the fantasy, you know, judge myself. it's like, Oh, that didn't work. Whoops. Don't need to create that fantasy. And I can create something that's actually better. And yeah. Kind of it. And, and exactly. So you're willing to play with it. There is no result in mind that has to be achieved. Like it would be great, but hey, if it doesn't, what else is possible? And and that's how you. That's a, such a great example how you can, you know, create with your fantasies ra- rather than being uh, the victim and the effect of your own fantasies. Like brilliant. Right. Right. Yeah, so everywhere we, you know, we've all been the victim of our own fantasies. Mm-hmm. Can we destroy and uncreate all that? Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Right, wrong, good, bad, all nine pod, pog, shorts, blades, meons. Oh, my tummy had a big grumble on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's really this this huge portion of humor that, you know, if, if you have, you know, anybody listening, if you have those fantasies and that's per- perfection things, Christmas, relationship, job, money, whatever, it's like, you know, practice that sense of humor. Have fun with yourself. Have fun with your fantasies and go, oh my play God. Play with yourself. Yeah, play with yourself. You <laughs> said it. You heard it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it's like if you just go and sometimes it's fun to to go to the extreme and go, so what fantasies do I have? What, you know, what perfectionist do I have? And then you just go and, you know, expand it and make it really extreme and make it more intense and make it more intense and make it more intense and make it more intense. And what else can I perfectionize? And what else? And what else? What else? And you make it really extreme until to a point where you just go and laugh about yourself. That's another tool we can use. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, when you said, um, when you were talking about, and it is, it, it, when you were talking about Beyond the Utopian Ideal, I went and grabbed the book because I was like, I didn't notice that Gary wrote about the Golden Planet in the end because I never finish books. I'll read like, I'll read like two thirds and then stop every single book. So I never got to the Golden Planet. Me too. But that one is, that one I finished, but usually I'm the same. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but and I just happened to open to a page um, that I wanted to share here. It's uh, page mm-hmm. 30 for those of you who have the book. It says, are you invested in the search for the ideal scene in your relationship? A lot of people do this. Have you ever done the thing of looking for the perfect man or woman for you? If someone actually sees you for five seconds, you decide he or she is perfect. You say this is the perfect person. My ideal scene has just shown up. Then you discover it ain't necessarily so. And I quote, (laughs) you couldn't see what actually was because you were distracted by your concept of what was ideal. You divorced yourself and your awareness the the moment you went into conclusion and said, he's perfect or she's perfect. He's the ideal scene. She's the ideal scene. He's the one I'm looking for. So everything that brings up, uh, can we all destroy and uncreate it all? Yes. Boys and beyond. It's a good, just a good of of how we tend to do that. If if it's it's funny how we build these things up, and then whether or not we can create them exactly as we've built them in our head, we use that as a reflection of you know of a person we are mm. um, and okay. create I, the self-judgment you are choosing yeah exactly yeah so right wrong good bad all nine pod pox shorts boys and beyond sorry were you going to say something Suzanne? no no I just you were just breaking up in the middle I didn't hear everything um, but maybe oh, okay Cool. No, um, I love this book. Um, it's it's like it's so it's it's so perfect <laughs> to to the conversation <laughs> we're having about perfectionism. Um, it really takes you beyond this perfectionism. It's a really really great book. I love it. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're pretty much coming towards the end of the hour here. Um, Suzanne, can you tell us a little bit about 
what you have planned for the new year and any classes or events you have coming up. Now, I need to check it online because I don't remember my own times. <laughs> like, quickly, quickly, check, check your dates. <laughs> How do you know when someone's a busy girl is when they don't even know when their classes are? I love it. I'm happy I have a calendar. So, well, there are a couple of pragmatic psychology classes coming up uh, in different countries. And um, so there are two and a half day classes um, I do. It's, and um, yeah, so they're mostly in Europe right now that are booked, but what else is possible? And actually, Gary Douglas and I am going to facilitate one together in August in the United States. We haven't chosen a, a city yet. Uh, we're going to look at that. But that's going to be really cool to, to do a pragmatic psychology class together, he and I. And it's going to be live streamed worldwide. So I'm looking really, really much forward to that. Um, it's going to be posted on the Access Consciousness page very soon. And um, lots of Ride Voice for You classes, two and a half day workshops. Uh, people ask me all the time, oh, can you go there? Uh, so it's going to be India and, and um, yeah, different countries where they're going to they're going to pop up, but it's great. It's like great in that conversation about tr thinking that you have to be perfect and present yourself as perfect in the world, where that is actually not an invitation. Uh, being that, the, you know, unperfect, uh, messy, amazing you is what actually is an invitation to people. So these classes, these Right Voice for You classes are a lot about being seen and heard in the world and allowing the world to enjoy you and for you to enjoy the world so they're going to be all over the world and um, yeah you can you can find all that on the access consciousness page you can just write Susanna Mittermeier there um, and you can find my classes or you write Julia Sotos there and you can find Julia's classes and other all other facilitators as well yeah yeah we're busy people yeah so we are <laughs> Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Susanna. It was awesome to thank have you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, if, is, does anybody else have any further questions before we uh, head out? Oh, this is Eleanor. I had another one. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I was hoping you'd bring up some of the money conversation. Uh, what would it take for me to have more ease uh, to receive more money? Um, how I how I receive money is through work and it's hard work and I want somewhere else where I can receive it with more ease as if by magic. Are you there? I'm still there. Yeah. That oh. was my question. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a very big question. I think that Julia might have to schedule a, a show around this because there's so much much uh, to talk about there. Um, but receiving, so money is a lot about receiving. So you can actually, there's a lot in that show already, but it's, it's really practicing that muscle of receiving. And the question is, before you do that, you might want to ask, so how much am I already receiving? Because if you don't acknowledge what you already are uh, receiving and how much capacity you are and how much you choose it already, you're constantly looking for a lack. So, and that's creating more lack, you know, in all areas of your life. So what if you start just by acknowledging, hello, how, how amazing am I already at receiving? And then how does it get any better than that? And what else is possible? Beautiful. Yeah. Because I am receiving a lot in, in the financial area. I just want yeah. to expand more and more and more different avenues on it, you know? Yes. The other thing you could look at, Eleanor, is to ask, um, what would it take to have 10 different revenue streams at all times? I remember Bloss and Benedict sharing this tool about, about a year and a half ago for me, and I wrote it up on my bathroom mirror in one of those mirror writers, and I definitely have 10 different revenue streams a year and a half later. Um, and they're all easy and I don't have to put a lot of effort into it and I don't have a regular nine to five job. I just do what's fun for me. So, um, it might not happen overnight, but, but, um, you know, write it somewhere that you can see it a lot and keep asking the question. That's been a, been a huge game changer for me personally. Oh, wow. Thank you so much, Julia. What would it take right. for me to have 10 different streams of revenue? Exactly. 
Oh, it might happen overnight. <laughs> hey, hey, it absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. This You're so awesome. welcome. Yeah. Great. Oh, thanks for asking. Um, so, yeah, that brings us to the top of the hour exactly. So that worked out well. Um, it was <laughs> Let's do money cleared in three minutes or less. And we did. So that's awesome. Um, so thank you so much for being on the show, Susanna. It was an honor to have you. You're just such a great facilitator, truly. So thank you for being on today. Thank you so much for having me, Julia. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Great. And uh, the replay should be up within the next hour. Um, and we will uh, go from there. And next week, um, there will be a show on Christmas Eve. It'll be December 24th. Uh, and the show is going to be about something to do with Christmas. And I'm not sure. We haven't nailed down the details. But it's going to be with Heather Carey and Nichols and I. Uh, Heather's a facilitator from Colorado. So uh, be sure to tune in. You can escape your family and come listen to my radio show. <laughs> and uh, if not, have a happy Christmas, and we will talk to you after that. All right. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Woohoo!